0: We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balaszewski says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balaszewski. Hello, you magnificent beings. I'm so honored to be hanging out with you for a while today here on Journey to Center. So do you have a relationship with the Bible. I don't know about you, but I've spent some time reading it, and a lot of it makes a lot of really good sense. But I have to admit, other parts of the Bible, well, I find it a little confusing. I'd love to have a greater understanding of the sacred text, and I'm so excited to be having a conversation with someone I highly respect and have had on the show before. She has written a new book entitled The Evolutionary Testament of Co-Creation, The Promise Will Be Kept." We are here with Barbara Marks Hubbard. In this book, Barbara goes into an in-depth examination of the Gospels, according to Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, the Acts of Apostles, and the Epistles. Barbara reveals how the Gospels and Jesus' teachings are offering to our society new solutions that can support us in navigating the significant challenges of our current times. Barbara Marks Hubbard has been called the Voice for Conscious Evolution by Deepak Chopra. She is the subject of Neil Donald Walsh's book, The Mother of Invention, and many people would agree she is the global ambassador for conscious change. I, for sure, am one of those people. As a prolific author and educator, Barbara has written seven books on social and planetary evolution. She has produced, hosted, and contributed to countless documentaries seen by millions of people around the world. In conjunction with the Shift Network, Barbara has co-produced the worldwide Birth 2012, multimedia event that was seen as a historic turning point in exposing the social, spiritual, scientific, and technological potential in humanity. Additionally, Barbara co-founded the World Future Society and the Association for Global New Thought. Barbara Marks-Hubbard considered herself to be an ordinary human being who has had an extraordinary experience an experience of direct revelation of such magnitude that it offers all of the world a new chance to view Jesus and the New Testament in a brand new way. So Barbara Marks Hubbard, thank you so much for saying yes to this interview and spending time with us here today on Empower Radio.
1: Thank you for having me. I mean, I love your enthusiasm, really. It makes me happy. I'm so excited.
0: I feel like I'm flying around my room. I probably need to sit down and ground myself. Here. This is so silly, <laughs> Thank you. I just have to say, this book is amazing. I feel like I'm going to be reading this for years and years to come. The evolutionary Testament of co-creation, the promise will be kept. So Barbara, it's so interesting to me because in your own words, you were a Jewish agnostic futurist. How <laughs> did this happen? What is going on How here? This How did this happen? Well, you know
1: Jewish agnostic futurists they're very interesting people they they i <laughs> i I actually was Jewish agnostic evolutionary. See that's uh-huh. the thing to add to that uh-huh. and the evolutionary Jewish agnostic is a very interesting type because you're not looking at an external God. You're not looking at a random or meaningless universe either, which is a traditional modern scientific point of view. You're looking at a universe that has been evolving to ever higher consciousness, freedom, and order. You're looking at a universe with purpose, with direction, with meaning. You're looking at a universe that created you, And the impulse inside you personally for more life, more love, more creativity is the universe as you. And I had begun as a Jewish agnostic secular futurist to realize I am the universe in person. You are the universe in person. We're all embodying this story. And the story is a mystery story. Nobody can tell how from nothing at all, from no thing at all, the Big Bang should have come everything that was, is, and is now evolving. So I had all that inside me. The one thing that I had not thought about was Jesus. I had had a Christ experience earlier on that I realized that there was a new story in the Christ story, which was very interesting to me as an evolutionary. So, the, But I had a preparation through my evolutionary consciousness And my reading of Teilhard de Chardin, the Catholic Jesuit paleontologist. Oh, I
0: love him.
1: My reading of Sri Aurobindo, the great uh, Indian sage who wrote The Life Divine. My studies with Buckminster Fuller, who really said, you know, spaceship Earth. We don't have an operating manual yet for spaceship (laughs) Earth, but we have the resources and technology to make it work for everyone so I was very educated in evolutionary potential <clears throat> that so I was writing a book on the future of of humanity at the time and I took a walk in Santa Barbara and I saw a hang gliders club jumping off a high mountain floating above a big cross at this monastery, floating above the cross in butterfly colored wings. And it was an image that just hit me, it's mass metamorphosis. Mass change. And that is, if you study futurism and particularly transhumanism and all the new technologies of humanity, nanotech, biotech, quantum computing, etc., what you see is we are all being changed. Mm-hmm. We are all extending capacities that we used to attribute to gods. We can create worlds. We can blow up worlds. We can create new genetic codes. We can change our bodies. I mean, these are all godlike powers. We've been kind of creeping up on them through our technologies. So when I started to see this mass metamorphosis image and realized that we are being changed, I went into the monastery and picked up a copy of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And there I came to St. Paul. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed mm-hmm. in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And so on. I thought, oh, my God, this is true. And so I began to write from a futuristic, evolutionary perspective how the statements in the New Testament were radically true, Mm. but would not have been noticed as true until a generation came with the powers to do it. So Jesus said, you will do the works that I do, and greater works will you do in the fullness of time.
0: I get that. So clearly when I meditate, these things in greater will you do. He was saying that we have this potential as well.
1: He was our elder
0: brother according Mm -hmm. to the course of miracles. And now you say Jesus was the greatest evolutionary who has ever (laughs) lived. But he's teaching us how we can do this. Is that correct?
1: That's right. And he had to demonstrate it in his life.
0: And it only takes one person to demonstrate it to know so that we can know it can happen. This can, this
1: that can occur- is exactly it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like one lunar landing, you know, you can do it. Right. One person like Jesus born and looking at his life as a pattern of evolutionary potential. And even including virgin virgin births, we're doing virgin births now, <laughs> including producing in abundance like the loaves and the fishes, including even resurrection from the dead as they're beginning to take DNA from simple organisms and be able to reproduce them and, and uh, you know, bring them back because they're information coded and so forth. The scientific genius at the very growing edge is beginning to do these things. Mm-hmm. Then when you add that with this, if you want to say the Jewish impulse of evolution, it's not Jewish, it's, it's everybody, but it's very, I would say, more typical for a Jewish mentality than for a Buddhist mentality, for example. Mm-hmm. Because in the Buddhist mentality, the Buddhist... Uh, I'd say, impulse or metaphysical preference, you're really seeking to get off the wheel of life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In the Jewish, deep Jewish evolutionary, you're seeking to evolve life as a creative intention of God. Yes. Now, that is a different metaphysical preference. It and is, you, yes. it, it really is, and what I've learned also is that people have different metaphysical preferences, and it's not right or wrong. A yes, Buddhist a preference is, yes. is, is probably, you know, it's, it's exactly what it is. And the Buddhist perhaps we need all these metaphysical preferences mm-hmm. to balance ourselves out, because if everybody was a Jewish agnostic futurist, it would not be such a good idea.
0: Yeah, we need all the colors of the rainbow. We need all the flavors. I say if God wanted us to be the same, he would have made us that way, like Canadian geese, but he already did that. The point is to be different. The point yes. I feel like I would love your perspective, Barbara. I feel like God threw trillions of splinters of himself out there to get to know himself better and to have fun, to have somebody to create and play with. And now we're open to co create.
1: With this is, well, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of something that that re- recently happened. There's a, a beautiful author called um, Ilya Delio. She's a Catholic nun who's written a book called Making All Things New. And here's what she said about me. Now, this is just amazing, and I'll tell you what I think it means. Because mm-hmm. she called me and others... Uh, um, Uh, What is he called? Christ Fractals. (laughs) I love that already. (laughs) Christic Fractals. But she says here, um, what are we called up today as citizens of the universe, as followers of Jesus Christ and members of of the institutional church, which I'm not, and she's a Catholic. The final chapter seeks to clarify the meaning of Catholicity, which she calls wholeness. That's the deeper meaning of Catholic is wholeness. Oh, I and she says, uh, of the four models discussed in this chapter of bringing forward the entire Catholic, Catholicity of, of the Church is Pope Francis, Barbara Marx Hubbard, the <laughs> Dalai Lama, and the Leadership Conference of Women Religious. Wow. Now, <clears throat> when I read that, I was really, really... I mean, I would say more than amazed, but I have interpreted, and she says this here at the end, um, that that Barbara is an example of a Christic fractal. Mm -hmm. Now, a Christic fractal is a little tiny fragment of the Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that I would say millions of us are Christic fractals. And when she singled me out there with Pope Francis and the Dalai Lama, the Barbara Marks Hubbard is not me as a person. It's a movement. Mm. I'm an aspect of a movement of, of, of humanity towards oh, higher consciousness, that. greater freedom, and more complex order in an huh? evolutionary world.
0: Oh, yes. I want to I be one. <laughs> I, I want to be a Christi- you are one. You
1: See, You are a Christic fractal in an evolutionary world.
0: Oh, I just love this so much. I'm a washing goosebumps. What an incredible <laughs> honor. And it's sort of like what I'm getting, Barbara, who we are really isn't personal to us anymore. When we transcend that ego, when we step more into that, like, universal aspect, mm-hmm. um, we, well, from my perspective, I've devoted myself to that something greater. May thy will and my will be one. Mm-hmm. I want to surrender yeah. my personal will to that something greater. Is yes. that kind of what you're talking about?
1: It, it is, and I am so delighted to be talking with you because, you see, you are definitely a crystic
0: fractal. <laughs> oh yay! I say I just had a bunch of crystals hung up in my light fixture. I have crystals all over. People are like you are a crystal, and I feel like <laughs> no, it, I'm a fairy in a strange land. But somebody said, "Well, this world needs more sparkles and crystals well, and purple." And
1: where, so, where do you live? Where do you live? Where do you live?
0: Um, I'm currently in Eagle, Idaho, but I spent 15 years in Los Angeles. Idaho. In what are you doing to there? Las-, <laughs> Las Vegas. Well, and, and we're going to be bringing our yacht up to Santa Barbara. It's so magical there. That's a really beautiful oh. place. To <clears> throat>
1: throat> well, you know, I'm moving to Berkeley, California. I'm going to build a Peace Room in the midst of my center there. And oh. Peace Room is to map, track, and connect what's working in the world. And I'm going to invite people in to share their emerging creativity, their love, and see how we connect to co-create. That's my real mission now.
0: Okay. Now, so is this a retreat? Tell me about this place.
1: It's a center, which is an advance, not a retreat. It's going to be where I live. It's it's a Uh six-bedroom house that I've rented for a while to start my next level of work. And it's dedicated to what I call the planetary awakening in love. Mm-hmm. And here's what I think needs to happen. I think we need to connect those who are already emergent creators like yourself mm-hmm. on, a, on a global scale such that we can see the outlines of the emerging humanity and that I want to be involved in calling for and helping to catalyze a planetary awakening of co-creators through A unique self-symphony, which is a symphony of the beauty of every person as a note in this Mm -hmm. symphony of awakening.
0: Yes, I totally hear what you're saying, and I'm ready to sign up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I said that we're all
0: notes in the symphony. We're all um, playing a different energy that's important. Important and necessary. Each of us has an important piece of the puzzle here. And yes, um, I you're think right. we need to know that and believe that and celebrate <laughs> our uniqueness and come together, hopefully, as this um, web of light and uh, <laughs> bring forward the pods and, like, let's turn this up. Yeah. <laughs> this is exciting stuff that we are talking about. Yes. So how does one become an evolutionary? Is this simply um, a choice? Is this just like, I want to be I'm raising my hand.
1: You know what it is? It's a gift. Like some people have a really strong musical ear. It's a gift. Or they're an innately good athlete. There's some people who have a gift for experiencing what's emerging, Mm. what's new within themselves and the world. A gift for being attracted to that which is evolving. See, I have that gift, and I have noticed a lot of brilliant people do not have that gift. In fact, they could be, the more intellectual people are, the less likely they'd have to the have the gift, because they tend to be analytical and critical.
0: Well, so interesting, I because know, I find you to be so brilliant and intellectual, but you it sounds I, like you transcend the mind, and you have the heart it, as well. No, the, so it's, no
1: it's, it's even better than that. <laughs> I actually feel the evolutionary includes all the great capacities of humanity. It includes spirituality, like I do, because I feel that the impulse of evolution is divine. From the origin of creation to you and me talking, that impulse is a mystery of divinity that's beyond what anyone could imagine. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, spiritually. The deep evolutionary is called to realize their unique life purpose, called to vocation, Mm -hmm. called to creative expression of uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And so that is social. Then the conscious evolutionary is called to incorporate the scientific vision of reality particularly in the Teilhard de Chardin type of science or David Bohm, or the type mm-hmm. of scientist that can see, like uh, Irvin Laszlo, that the whole of reality is consciousness. Deepak Chopra, they all have this. Yes. That, so there's a whole scientific movement now <clears throat> of saying it's ridiculous to say it's, a hap- it's an accidental, purposeless universe, uh, that's a sci- modern scientific uh, perspective, that there's yes. no, no purpose, no intention, no reality. It's all accidental. Well, that's not the view that I'm coming from. It's that, that th- there's a consciousness force toward this, and it's in every one of us. Yes. So that's spiritual, scientific, technological. And then there's this wonderful aspect that I feel it's a passionate desire to participate in it.
0: Mm, I think I have that. <laughs> I, think I get do. so excited.
1: So, so you see, that it's exactly, you're gifted with this. You see, I, I know people who are really smart, and I tell them that the, there's, we're evolving. They say, I don't see any sign of that. We're getting worse and worse every day.
0: Say, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like to have those conversations. I'm like, you're <laughs> entitled to feel and think what you want, but I choose to hang out in the higher realms of love, you know, and I think if, if our outer reality is a reflection of inner reality, I'm going to take full responsibility to live a life of beauty and love and hopefully transcendence and connect with others of like mind, because I feel like we are at, maybe we are at a tipping point, and I'm going to do my part to make sure we're going the direction of love, and I know yes. that's what you Yes, so if you well.
1: stand on a tipping point, one, even one more person on the tipping point makes a difference. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. That's so why I'm I'm so
1: excited yes. about my book, Evolutionary Testament, because, you see, the Bible is certainly the, the best known book in the world. Mm-hmm. And hundreds of millions, billions of people read it. And I'm saying, let's read it with evolutionary eyes. Let's read it as those who Jesus was saying are going to appear, who have the power. And let's look at Jesus's life. As, yes. a, as a model of a new human.
0: Yes, and I, I personally feel I want to be a contemporary disciple.
1: Yes, yes, and this is a generation of disciples, and you know, the early disciples had this phrase, Christ is risen. Mm-hmm. And that started the whole thing because they believed Christ had risen. Here's what the new generation of disciples can say, we are rising.
0: Now, would you say that's the second coming of Christ?
1: I'm, not, I'm saying that is what would be an evolutionary aspect, mm-hmm. which is to say that the Christ in every one of us, yes. which would be the impulse of, of creation, the, the divine, mm-hmm. within every one of us is rising in us, mm-hmm. as us. And when we join together, we'll have a first coming in, in that sense uh-huh. of a planet in love.
0: Yes. to wake up that Christ consciousness within. So that's one thing that we would talk about a lot when, because it's funny, my Christian friends don't think I'm Christian and my non-Christian friends think I am. I don't really try to explain it, <laughs> I but know. a conversation that comes up repeatedly is that one phrase in the Bible that has a few of us stumped. I am the way, the truth, and the light. There is no way to the Father but through me. And I'm like, I believe that is Christ consciousness. That I am. We need to wake up to that personally. What is right. your interpretation of that?
1: I, I feel the same way. I mean, he, everything that Jesus did was to show us that we can do the work that he did. He yes. came in as a carpenter. He, you know, he had he ate with with absolutely everybody. He had no money. He walked around with nothing. He he did everything in his power not to be the one like the scribes or the Pharisees who had the power in the Jewish world. He was uniquely, purely the potency of the divine in person, mm-hmm. and he was able. To excite enough people. And it's very interesting, the whole issue of why he went for the crucifixion. Because if you take the Garden of Gethsemane story, where he was saying, Father, this is when he was being persecuted. And the disciples wanted him to leave, to be safe, to go away. And he said, Father, if this cup can be passed from, from me, let it be passed. And, he got the message go to de- jerusalem he set his face to go to jerusalem you know what mm-hmm. that meant tell me crucifixion
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was being hunted and ha- hounded and he went into it he just and he faced went right it. into it mm-hmm. right for it with no protest and even no argument of defense now you have to say what was going on there <laughs> And here's yeah, my he interpretation. he could have avoided
0: it, but he chose not to.
1: Totally could have avoided it. And <clears throat> it's my understanding that the, the demonstration of the terror of that and the horror of that and the destruction of the current physical body, which then led to the three days in the tomb, which then led to an appearance that Mary Magdalene and others saw of a being who was an embodiment of the Christ in a new body and it was a body that could materialize and dematerialize it's very much like description of light bodies in near death experiences mm-hmm. and th- let's assume it let's just assume for the moment it was a light body it was a body it had reality it was not simply a fiction of their imagination or just a cosmic christ it was a new being yeah, well, he was
0: letting us know that we will be reborn.
1: We'll be not only that reborn, not but the ev- end. eventually. Here, here's the greater mystery. Eventually, and this is what I believe as a transhumanist. Eventually, that we will be evolved, not just life after death. Here, but think of the think of the possibility right now of life extension. Think of the possibility of understanding our own DNA code. Think of the possibility of. Uh, they go the telomeres you know that wear out in and you you start to age i 'm eighty six years old <clears throat> well i 'm aging but there is a possibility of extending life of moving actually beyond this physical body that the transhumanists are working on now the ultra humanist that the Teilhard de Chardin, which is more spiritual than the transhumanist if you add the spirituality to the idea that we can have life extension and eventually a body, they want to upload the brain in Silicon. And there's a lot of extreme things. It's called a singularity by Ray Kurzweil. Well, the singularity is that the human species creates intelligence so much greater than itself Mm -hmm. that it has created a new life form eventually. So, I think the life of Jesus in its most literal evolutionary terms is modeling the fact that we shall all be changed, truly. Not wow. life after death, that's not the change. That, even though that may all be true, and it may all be that eventually we will only be cosmic intelligence and not bodies, we don't know. But it certainly means that we're not going to be homo sapiens sapiens in animal bodies dying just like we are now.
0: That's so exciting. Barbara, what else I'm excited about is that I'm getting you on for another show. We have to wrap up. Tell people where they can get a hold of you, find you. Do you have a website? Can they get your book? How do they connect with you? Uh, They connect with me. They go to
1: evolve.org. And they connect with me and they can invite me to speak and they can have the book. And we also have an evolutionary guide for this book where they can form small groups and start to work in it. So it's a lot that they can do.
0: Oh, it's so exciting. I want to do this with you. All right, Barbara Marks Hubbard, I'm excited. I'm going to be able to get you on another show very soon. To my guests and listeners, thank you for hanging out with us. Isn't this exciting? I'm so excited. I need to calm down. All right. I love you. God bless you. Let's turn our light up together onward and upward. Bye for now.